Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on Reflect Ed, we're going back to school. Welcome to Reflect Ed, the podcast where I share my perspective on the challenges and successes that are taking place in our schools and focus on goal setting and plans for future improvement. Through rich conversation and meaningful dialogue, we will discuss practical ways to make schools better for students and educators. Hello and welcome to Reflect Ed. This is episode five. I'm your host, AJ Bianco. If this is the first time you're joining us for this podcast, thank you for giving it a try. Hope you find value in what you're about to hear. If you've been here before, thank you for coming back. Really appreciate it. At this point, we are in September, and whether we like it or not, we are back at school. And hopefully in this situation, you're feeling comfortable, you're feeling confident, you're enjoying your time being with your kids. Hopefully you're feeling safe with what you're doing. I know going back to school has been a big topic for many people around and, you know, everybody's views are different. And that's what we're going to tackle in this episode. We're going to focus on going back to school and what it's been like and what our experiences are and what we want to do going forward. So in this episode, I spoke to a friend, Dave Frangiosa, and Dave is a science teacher, high school science teacher in New Jersey. And this is kind of an impromptu conversation. I wasn't planning on having a guest just yet. I had a couple of things that I want to put out there for myself and and share who I am and share my passion education. But Dave and I were were talking through text and I was asking some questions about how we felt uh, going into the school year as I was trying to share some of my experiences and trying to put them together as a podcast. And as we were going back and forth in the conversation, I said to Dave, I said, you know what? I think uh, think this is a conversation that we need to have. Dave's got a a great point of view of what he he, uh, thinks about his school and you know, he's got kids, so what he's experienced with his kids. Um, we kept the conversation very neutral, tried to take a positive, tried to take a negative. And it's not a safety concern that we were bringing up. We're just bringing up the fact that school is different right now. And I think everybody's feeling that. And in the conversation, Dave and I kind of look at the unconventional school year, talk about the excitement that he usually has going into a school year that we all usually have, and whether it's there or it's not there. We also talk about what the classroom looks like, the environment that he teaches in, and one of the big things that we tackle is the curriculum and the content that we should be going over and engagement versus compliance. And those are things that, you know, we look at school right now, we try to figure out what are we doing that's right, what are we doing that's wrong. Are our students engaged or are they just being compliant with what we're asking them? So that's something that we really tackle. And I think the biggest thing that we focus on here is should we be virtual? And Dave's point of view is there. I share mine as well. So as you're listening, feel free. If if there's something that we share that you disagree with or that you want to add to, you know how to get in touch with us, me especially. Please feel free to reach out on Twitter at AJ Bianco, Instagram the same. And if you want to reach out to the podcast, please feel free to do that on Twitter and Instagram at ReflectEdPod. So without any further ado, here's the episode with Dave Frangiosa. I hope you enjoy. All right, here we are with Dave Frangiosa, and we're going to talk a little bit about the 
year ahead, reflections on the first couple of weeks of school. So Dave, welcome to Reflect Ed. You are officially the first guest. Thanks for having me, AJ. Uh, I'm Dave. I'm a science teacher at Pascack Hills High School. Been teaching. This is my 15th year. So, um, you know, a little, uh, little unsure about what this year is going to hold. Uh, it's definitely different than the rest. So um, we're a week in. Um, there's been some, some good things. There's been some things that we got to iron out, but we'll get there. Yeah, so I think for the listener out there, we've been talking about this. Dave and I have really had these conversations about going back to school and what it should look like, what it is going to look like, and what we could do. So we're really going to tackle here the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess is the way we can look at it. So so Dave, let's tell the listener, you're a week in. What did you expect, first of all, and what has it been? Well... I have to say this is the first year that I really wasn't looking forward to September. And it's not that I didn't want to go back. Um, and it's not that I feel unsafe. I feel very safe in the school. I think they've done a, a great job of putting the PPE where it needs to be, making sure that every class has hand sanitizer, everything's clearly marked. Um, students are all wearing masks. Everybody's really doing what they have to do to um, keep each other safe. And I, I think that's great. So not really concerned about that. Um, I really didn't know what to expect going in, but I, I don't have the, the contact time with my students that I've had in the past. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Building relationships with students is is key to getting them to, to buy in, to trust you, to, you know, to really learn. And when you see them once every four days, um, you know, doing that's really tough. So, um, you know, I, I was a little uncomfortable um, with that aspect of it because I'm very much um, based on systems and procedures. And how do you how do you instill those in students when there's a week in between meetings? So that is what I'm trying to, to wrestle with right now. And, um, you know, we don't do things traditionally in my classroom. Like we don't give letter and number grades. And, um, so our whole school isn't using the same model that we are. So it takes a little more time for us anyway. And now that my time is cut even more, um, you know, this is, I can see this whole process taking much longer than it would in a traditional school year. And I, I had a really successful end to last year, but I had seven months to work with students, you know, and those seven months we built that relationship. They knew what to expect from me. Um, you know, I knew what they needed as students in terms of support. And so, um, you know, that relationship was already established and, coming into this school year, that was the one thing that I, I think I, I had in my mind that I wanted to focus on the most is, is how can I, how can I get those procedures and build that relationship and understand what each student needs in this very limited time that I see them. Yeah. So let's go back for one second because you know, whoever's listening to this, wherever you're from, I'm sure your plan is very different from what we have. So in New Jersey, our plan um, is really based on the district, right? So 
depending on the school, depending on the district, they're doing so many different things. So what Dave was referring to, he sees his kids and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, you have a four day rotating schedule and you have different morning and different afternoon schedules. So you're going to see these kids once literally every four days. Correct. Yeah. So face to face, I'll see them once every four days. We have an A and a B cohort. Our face to face meetings are in the morning. Um, And then in the afternoon, after lunch, we have two virtual classes. So within that four day cycle, students will be in class face to face one day. They'll have independent work one day and they'll have a virtual lesson one day. And then they'll the fourth day of that cycle, we won't have any contact with them at all. And this is not what you had to end the school year from March to June? No. What we had to end the school year, um, we had a four-hour day where each class met for a half hour. So we had a seven-period day. Um, students would come into your class for a half hour. Uh, they were required to follow their schedule. And so you were seeing students every single day. Uh, you weren't required to, to have them come in, but you were available to meet with them. Um, you, you had to be available during that period. And um, it, it worked out great. So we had a routine. Um, they'd come into our, you know, our virtual classroom, even if it was just for 10 minutes, get a couple of questions answered, and then just go about their day doing what they needed to do. So this is very different. So of those four days, I'll only have contact with them two out of the four days. And then one day they don't have me at all. One day they're completely independent working. So it's definitely a different model than we had at the end of last year. And I understand why. Um, You know, I'm a parent as well. And I, I know that wanting to get your children into school as much as possible, um, getting that socialization. Um, I, I understand that part of it, but from the education side of it, it's not really conducive to building habits. Do you think starting this year, the way you ended would have been better? Even if they figured out like an AB schedule where you're having the same time or maybe extended a little bit more, do you think that would have been a better fit for what you got than right now? So that's hard to say because every fix creates other problems. So nothing about this situation is ideal. And, um, you know, I'm trying not to be negative about it. And yeah, there are some negative aspects to it. There's, there's things that I don't like. Um, there's things that I wish I had in place, but there's, other logistical issues that go along with that. Like there's a ton of moving parts. So I get that part of it. So um, I don't want to look at the what if, or I wish it were this way. I just want to look at what could I possibly do in this framework to give my students the best experience I possibly can. All right. So let's run with that then. Let's take that and let's look at the positive. What does your classroom look like right now? in the situation that we're in. All right. So right now, um, I, I set up the class. So we have three lessons in that four day cycle and they do them sequentially. So I'm, I'm setting my class up as if it were fully virtual, 
with the benefit of the students who are in front of me being able to interact with me in real time. So rather than them engaging with that lesson online, they're engaging with that lesson um, with me in front of them. They can ask me questions in real time. I can do some demos. But the, the students who are home, so for instance, I'm meeting with the A cohort, the B cohorts at home, they're doing the same lesson so that when I see the B cohort the next day, I can continue and do something different with them and extend their knowledge. And so um, that's the way that I'm doing it. And it's it's seeming to work okay. So um, I this morning, I had probably the the most normal class that I possibly could. Um, we had nine students and my classes range anywhere from one student to nine students. Um, they have to sit six feet apart. There is no group work. They can't share equipment. So a lot of the things that we did um, last year that I felt made me a successful teacher were kind of taken away from me overnight. So I have to find a way to just kind of do things in a different way and engage the students the way that I used to. And that's where I'm having the biggest struggle. Um, but, you know, it, it's just going to take time. So everything about this is just taking longer. So, um, yeah, I, I try and give my students an opportunity to like get up and stretch their legs. Being that we have the small class sizes, I'm fortunate. I'm in a lab room. So I've assigned them spaces at lab tables. So I said, look, you need to stretch your legs rather than just sit in a chair for an hour and staring at me, get up, go to, they have their designated standing spot and they have their designated seat. Um, but the students aren't excited about like being there like they used to be. It's just the, the feel from the students is different. Um, so I guess as they get more comfortable, everything will kind of change a bit and everything will loosen up. And then the, the learning will probably happen a little quicker. Um, I don't know. I'm just waiting for that. I, I'm sure it'll come. And, and I think when, when you talk about the excitement, I think you're focusing on high school kids. I've been now in the school where I'm seeing elementary and middle school kids, you know, living with my own elementary kids. You know, I see the excitement for going back to school, but it's a completely different reason that they're excited. They're going back to see their friends. When you're in high school, like the way I think about it, and I'm not a high school teacher, so correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not preparing for school. When I'm in high school, I'm going to learn something because I need to do well to go to college. So I'm sure these kids are seeing this as I'm in school, I'm learning, but it's not doing anything for me. There is no interaction. They're probably were doing better when they were home and they were communicating over a computer because they have everything they need right in front of them. They have their phone, they have their computer, they have their video games, they have that that freedom. I mean, I, maybe that's what you're seeing. I don't know if that's part of the lack of excitement that your kids are bringing. I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't live in that world. Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, I think it's just a new situation and anything new, um, there, there's going to be that trepidation. So, but you're right, managing, because now I also have fully virtual students who are assigned a cohort that are now streaming into the class. And so just that interaction, 
it's those students also deserve the attention um you know any student deserves but now you're splitting the focus you're there's no continuity to the class because now um you're teaching the students in front of you you're teaching the students on the computer there's technical difficulties so you know um like one of my first lessons, I was teaching them how to engage with an educational video. Being that I don't see them that often, there's a lot of videos that we prepare that they're going to have to do at home. So I was just trying to teach them how to engage with that. I'm playing the video for the students. The students at home are like, they're busting in saying, you know, I'm getting an echo. Can you like only play that through the computer and not through the speaker? And you know, so, but then my students in the class can't hear it. And so, you know, everything's just clunky right now. And I, I think that's leading to, um, you know, that lack of excitement. Um, I think once we kind of figure out how to grease the wheels and get this moving, maybe some of that comes back, um, you know, but it's new for everybody. Um, and, like I said, I've really only had one full class period with each class right now. So um, it's unfair to make a judgment on like where their excitement level is. And, you know, my class today, they came in like they did a great job. You know, they watched the videos without the benefit of me walking them through it because, you know, we just met today. They had pages and notes. They had great questions. Like, you know, I did a demo for them and, and, you know, they, they got it and, you know, they were, they were answering and connecting things. And so like, it gave me hope. It gave me hope that like, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but like I said, it's just, you know, a week in comparing to what we did last year, you know, we're at like day one, you know, so everything's just going to take longer. Yeah. And I think, you're you're definitely a teacher who is with it. Like you're you're doing these different practices. You have these different visions of what a classroom should look like. You're tech savvy. You want to bring all this in. And for you, you say it's clunky. You know, you say the kids aren't like they're not excited. So I'm sure, like when you look down the line, a lot of these kids who are in this position, they're probably not enjoying what's going on. They're probably not enjoying the fact that they have to be in school. I'm sure a lot of these kids didn't want to go. Maybe they were forced to go. Um, especially when you look at middle school and elementary school, they're nervous. Um, I, I think, you know, I think the situation is different for everybody and every teacher. And, and I, and I wish we could make this easier. You know, I look at my teachers and I'm saying they're teaching and they're doing this live instruction over the computer. And it's so difficult for them because they don't know where to focus their attention. How are they controlling a chat room while the kids in the classroom are actually doing their work? Uh, like, do you, do you have any, do you have any tips for anybody out there who may be doing that and really they're just stuck? Well, um, I'm fortunate that I have collaborative teachers, so we split the load. But when I didn't have a collaborative teacher, um, I would ask a student to volunteer to monitor the chat for me. So anything that went in the chat, I said, you know, just break in and interrupt me rather than having every student unmute and, you know, um, there was one student who was designated that knew if something went in the chat, they'd say, uh, there's a question from so-and-so, um, could you please address that? Um, so that worked really well. The other thing that worked very well for me, 
I found it very difficult at first to present and not see my students. So splitting the screen and having them all up on one side of the screen and then having my presentation up on the other half of the screen made it um, a little more of a normal experience for me, Um, you know, because talking to a computer screen, not seeing that interaction, not seeing the smile or the head nod or the confused look or any of those physical cues that like, you know, we process as teachers subconsciously, you know, that's so important to our teaching. Um, Because a, a student might not ask a question, but once you know your students, you know when they have one. And so like that was helpful for helpful for me splitting the screen. Um I don't require them to have their cameras on. Um you know, I know students are uncomfortable with that. Um you know, there was a technology that I used last year that's not available to us this year where the students could not see each other, they could only see me, but I could see all the students. Um that was awesome. So made them feel a lot more comfortable. More of them were, um, you know, willing to turn their cameras on, um, you know, because they knew that they wouldn't be judged by their classmates. And and so it was just a totally different dynamic. And I wish more of these platforms would give that option, especially if they're targeting education, Um, you know, and then in the breakout rooms, then they can see each other. And um, it just makes everything a, a little easier on both teacher and student. You know, it helps them focus. They're not worrying about, you know, who's getting up to go get a drink of water or whose dog's running through the background and they can just focus on the lesson. Um, you know, so if you can find that type of platform that, that has those options, um, that's great. Um, but really just, have a, a student proctor that will just monitor the chat, split your screen. That's all we can do for right now with the technology that we have. Yeah, man, I think that's really great advice because I think we were talking about empowering students. We always talk about empowering students. This is a great way for them to take control. This is them acting as a teacher almost. And I think the fact that they can monitor their chat and maybe even answer a question on their own, you know, you can spread that out throughout a week or throughout for you a month, it sounds like in one class that, uh, everybody gets a different, uh, a different chance to be part of that. And I think it's really great because, you know, putting that on them, that might change the dynamic in the classroom. That might change the way when they come in, like, Oh, can I do the chat real quick? Especially for a middle school kid. Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking middle school now for a middle school kid. That's like their life. That's going to change everything for them. High school kid, maybe a little different, but even other ways have that back channel go and you can have the kids kind of work out some kind of situation where they're there and they're answering questions. You know, that really puts them in the driver's seat. Sure. And the way that I look at the classroom, it's our classroom. It's not my classroom. And that kind of drives that point home is, you know, we're in this together. It's not me shoving information at you. It's us figuring out what you need as a learner. And so any chance we get, like you said, to empower those students, it just really drives that message home that, look, this is our space and we're in this together. So I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but this is something I've been saying. And, and, you know, I've been responding to different tweets and Instagram posts for a lot of people when they talk about like remote learning or the hybrid model, whatever the situation may be. I've continuously said this is a disservice for our students. 
I think putting kids in class, I, I understand it's important. And I see, like I said, I see to my own kids at home, but I feel like the way we're doing this f- to them, I think we're putting them in, in rows that's too traditional. I think we're telling them to sit and get, which is very traditional. And we're telling them not to collaborate. You know, sometimes they maybe have a snack or they, they, they can talk every now and then you talked about a stretch break, you know, but I think this, this kind of education is absolutely a disservice to our kids because they're not doing the things that we have been promoting over the last couple of years with this project-based learning and this collaboration and, and this work that that's going to help them outside of these walls. Like I know you're a big, your, your classroom, you're a big push on critical thinking and that's what you want your students to have. And I think we can do that, but you know, I, I just feel like we're missing the point of education. I feel like virtual virtual learning in some way might have been better just for the educational standpoint. Maybe not the social interaction, but just definitely the the learning that takes place. Oh, I I agree a hundred percent. So um, you know, I think either an all in model or an all out model um would be better for the educational value. Um for a couple of reasons. So right now this where we're at right now where we can't be all in we're shifting back to a more compliance based model and you know anybody who knows me knows that compliance is my least favorite word in education so um it makes me uncomfortable for kids not to have freedom so um you know that was one of the things walking into the classroom and just seeing kids, like you said, sit in rows facing forward. Um, you know, that whole look of it, um, not being able to really communicate, like they're six feet away and that six feet, they might as well be in another room because they're no longer leaning over talking to the person next to them, you know? So from, from that aspect, you are removing a lot of that social. So they're, they're coming in and yeah, they're seeing people, but they're not interacting in a meaningful way like they did before. So the other thing is when you look at a model like we have, and, and like I said, I'm not knocking the model because I understand the pressures behind designing a model. And I, I, I understand there's a lot of moving parts, but just from an educational standpoint, my students don't know what they're supposed to be doing on a given day, and that's not their fault. We're asking them to be in-person, independent, and then virtual. So when you talk about the stress that's putting on their brain, trying to decipher how am I supposed to act on Monday as to how am I supposed to act on Tuesday And then I have to act a different way on Wednesday. I'm interacting with my teacher, the content, my classmates in three very different ways while still trying to understand in high school what's very complex concepts. You know, it's just not conducive to learning. So with that said, understanding that we have to slow down. So you have a half hour, you have an hour, whatever time you have in your class, whatever you used to be able to do, you have to at least cut it in half. 
Like there's no way you're covering the same amount. You might be able to present it. Your students will not absorb it. So, you know, if, if we're still trying to plow through content and complete our curriculum, we're focusing on the wrong thing. And don't get me wrong. I think content is important. Uh, I'm not saying content's not important, but we can't sacrifice learning for covering content. Yeah, I, I love that. I think, like, look, as somebody who, like, deals with the curriculum quite often, like, I understand the importance of curriculum. It tells us what to teach, but it's not telling us how. So if we can kind of put the how together, you know, you talked about compliance. So our students are just complying and, and teachers are just complying with what they have to do. But the big argument is compliance versus engagement. Are our students engaged? Are our teachers engaged? You know, and I don't think that's the case. I think that they're just kind of going through their day, coming in when they have to come in, leave when they have to leave, and then doing the next part. You know, I don't think there's any engagement at all in any of these models. And I, I could be wrong. There could be people out there who are totally engaged. You know, you look on Twitter, you see all these great things that are going on, and bells and whistles. Again, though, is that really engaging students or just making it look good? Lipstick on a pig. Well, I, I will say this. Today made me hopeful. All right. There has to be a degree of compliance just to keep people safe. That's the environment that we're in now. So I get that part. But how can we make the safety compliance separate from the educational compliance? So we have to find a way to separate the two. And, you know, you have to sit in your chair. You have to wear your mask. You, you know, you have to be six feet away. Those are non negotiables. You must be compliant with those things. All right. Now, the other things, don't raise your hand in my class, right? You got something to say, you say it. Like, you know, it's not, this is our time. Don't cut people off, but, you know, be part of a conversation. You know, it's not me allowing you to express yourself. Express yourself, right? You need to get up and go to your, your standing space to stretch your legs. Don't ask me if you can. Just go. This is our space. So, you know, we're still doing it in compliance with safety, but, you know, I'm not exerting my will on students. It's not this way because I say so, right? It's this way because safety dictates that it has to be this way. The educational part of it, you know, we're still looking at what do you need as a student, but getting to that is a little more challenging. But, you know, I saw students today um, that were very engaged, you know, um, and like this morning I had two classes and in both classes um, it, it was refreshing. So it was the first time this year that I felt a little bit of excitement being there. All right. So, you know, and that's that's a weekend. You know, that's seeing each class once. So I'm, I'm hopeful that I see them again. Everything just gets a little bit better. Things get a little less clunky and they start to get excited. And then we just start to feed off of each other. I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe it's just everybody getting used to the situation, trying to figure out what works for them and how they're going to go about their business. So let's look at this going forward for you. Right, let's focus on something you said before about building relationships. So how do you plan on building relationships with these students? You know, let's talk about in person because you don't see them very often. 
How do you think you're going to be able to build these relationships in person that then carries over to that virtual learning piece? So the one benefit of this model is my classes are very, very small. Um, like I mentioned before, I have a section that has one student in it. So I already know that student pretty well. You know, we've met twice, um, but they have my undivided attention. On average, I have probably about five or six students in a class. So in an hour long period, they're getting a lot of my time. So I can get to know them a lot quicker than when I have 24 students in a class. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's more important because I don't see them as often. So I've already had conversations with students about what are their interests outside of school and, you know, what are, what are they worried about coming back? Like, do they want to be here? And just, I'm, I'm trying to let them understand that, you know, it's okay to feel uncomfortable, you know, and no growth happens if we're not uncomfortable. So something good will come out of this if we embrace it and we power through it. And my class is all about getting students out of their comfort zone. So the fact that they're coming in uncomfortable, not because of the class, and we can discuss that. And, um, you know, we already have common ground because we're all uncomfortable. So, you know, I, the, um, that connection is organic. We don't have to find something to bond over. We're bonding over. This is new for all of us. And we're all trying to figure it out and we're in it together. And, you know, it's authentic. So they respond to it. And I think that's something that, that you said there, you didn't really say it exactly, but you're taking the time to get to know these students. You're taking the time to allow them to share their thoughts, share their feelings express themselves in a variety of ways, you know, and, and I think that's a big thing. That's the, the time, you know, this goes back to a little bit talking about the curriculum, talking about the content. Yes, it's important, but we're, we're not going to get to where we need to be. Right. If we actually have these state exams this year, I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, so I really don't think we should focus on preparing kids for the test at this point. I think it's getting kids into the situation where they're back in school and they're learning because this might be the new normal. Who knows how long we're going to have to do this. But, you know, again, it's just taking the time to allow your students to be part of the classroom experience, allowing them to get to know you, you getting to know them, sharing what they want to, forgetting that there is a curriculum that you have to focus on. But giving up that time, I think, is extremely important for every educator out there. You know, let the kids take charge of a classroom and do what they want sometimes. Stop pounding them with just work. Am I right in saying that? Or am I, am I off base again, please? No, you're right. And once again, anybody who knows me knows that that's how I ran my class before this. You know, so I want students to have a voice. I want students to, you know, to speak up, to challenge me. I, I want them to feel comfortable saying, I don't think you're right. Um, I, and one of my favorite stories, uh, I ask for feedback from students. I always ask for feedback. I do surveys and, you know, I really want to know what they think. And one of the first times I did that at Hills, um, it was probably five or six years ago. 
the student wrote a three-page paper on how my ideas were like communism. It's like, good in theory, terrible in practice. And it was the best response I ever had to it. And the thing that I'm most proud of is he felt comfortable enough to rip me for three pages. And we still, we laughed about it. We had a, a great talk about it. And second half of the year, he was one of my stronger students because he realized that like, yeah, I, I did mean I want you to say what's on your mind. I want you to come here. I want this to be your space. And um, he had a better understanding of where I was coming from because I let him explain to me where he was coming from. So um, that's always the way that I've run my class. So if I have to sacrifice a little bit of content to get to know a student who will then in turn work harder for me and learn more and benefit themselves, so be it. You know, I'll sacrifice content. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think it's important. But, you know, if you're just presenting that content, like I said before, without hitting these other critical areas, they're not going to take it forward. And you're going to say you taught it. And I'll push back and say, no, you presented it. You know, you didn't teach it. You presented it. If they're not carrying it forward, it wasn't taught. So, you know. I, I focus my class on skills, um, transferable skills, and we teach it through content. Content's our medium. And you know, everything we do is geared towards what can you use going forward. So everybody needs to critically think. So that's something that I talk to them about all the time. They need to problem solve. They need to explain themselves. And this isn't specific to science, Right. These skills in history, you're a history guy, you answer DBQs. You have to construct a coherent argument. You have to analyze data. Um, you know, so everything about that. If you look at English, they have a similar structure with their claim, evidence, warrant, um, math, problem solving. There's, there's so much overlap. So when students ask me, well, when am I ever going to use physics? I was like, probably never, but you're going to think every day. You're going to solve problems every day. If you have a job, you know, there's going to be challenges. And if you're the person that can solve those challenges, you're going to get the promotion. You know, and I don't care what job that is, right? Thinking, problem solving, adding value wherever you can, right? Those are skills that you bring forward, communicating, collaborating. So we use content as the vehicle to teach all of those. So if I don't get to waves and sound, it's not the end of the world, you know? So I'll, I'll sacrifice that any day. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can look towards for the positive with, with all this. I think pushing these skills is really important. And I, I really look at this time, you know, thinking about like all of our students, we're teaching them new technology. We're teaching them email etiquette. We're teaching this digital citizenship you're able to teach them these critical thinking skills and, and how to question and how to respond. You know, if we look at one positive, I think it's that we're doing this for our students. And if teachers can start embracing that change, I think we're going to make our students much better people for society than students in society. And, that, and that's the way I keep looking at this whole pandemic. We're pushing out these new things very quickly. We're forcing change, whether it's a teacher or a student, and that might really help going forward. 
I agree with that. And, you know, we just have to make sure we sustain it. So we can't say, all right, we got through this and go back to business as usual. Absolutely. So let's, let's, let's do this since we're, we're going to reflect here. Let's say three months from now, what does your class look like? What, what do you want to do to make it look the way you want it to look? What do you expect three months from now? That's, that's a loaded question. Who knows what's happening three months from now? If you would have told me this is what we'd be doing three months ago, um, I, well, first off, I'd be more prepared. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that was uh, one thing. We didn't really have time to wrap our heads around this. But you know, mm-hmm. th- three months from now, I just I want my students to understand that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to take risks. And we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our right answers. If that's happening three months from now, I think I did my job. I, I think it's, I think it's perfect. I think it's great. Dave, I thank you for being the first guest on reflect ed. Thanks for and, having me. Hey man, always, always a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Anything you need. Thank you for listening to reflect ed. If you have a question or like to connect, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Bianco. If you're finding value in this podcast, please help spread the word to other educators. You can subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share on social media with your takeaway and thoughts. Make sure to tag me and at ReflectEdPod so we can keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon.